Welcome back to the R3 at the Euros podcast. In this episode, Sam, Sam, Ed and Sam discussed the standout moments of match day one, including Southgate's lineup selection, France versus Germany, Spain's record-breaking possession and that Patrick Schick goal. Before we start, everyone involved in retrospect sports coverage would like to pay their respects to Christian Eriksen, who this Saturday suffered a cardiac arrest on the pitch during the game between Denmark and Finland. We wish him a full and speedy recovery and thank everyone who was involved in the emergency response that worked to save a life. Okay, so last Friday in Rome, Andrea Bocelli kicked off Euro 2020 in spectacular fashion with a flawless rendition of Ness and Dorma, conjuring memories of the Leicester 2015-16 underdog season. But would there be an upset of that magnitude in the opening games of Group A? Sam Tao. Yes. Hello, welcome to the podcast. I know, first time. First time, welcome. What a treat. What a treat, welcome aboard. You want to talk about Wales versus Switzerland? I do. It would be rude if I didn't talk about the boys. <laughs> Camry and Bith and all that. What were the standout moments of that game for you? Well, it was mostly Switzerland, wasn't it? To be honest. But obviously, we came alive in about 30 minutes of the game. First 10, last 20. Rob Page went with a very welcome 4-3-3. I think most of the Red Wall were happy to see that. But it was quite a flat midfield. But Morel stood out anyway. But when we switched to the last 10 minutes for Wales, when we switched to that 4-2-3-1, Ramsey at 10, that changed the game. And why do you think there was an underlying reason why big-name players like Aaron Ramsey and Bale didn't hit the ground running in the early parts of the game? Tournament nerves, probably. Everyone's looking to the big guns to show up for Wales. But then, if they don't, they get a more scrutiny. Yeah, and... uh, Sam F, I know you're a big Switzerland fan yourself. Um, what did you make of their performance? Um, I think they were very, they were very kind of well organised, well drilled. I think they kind of the thing that let them down was um, I know Seferovic missed a couple of chances end of the first half. There was one especially that stood out. He was um, ball came to him and Bolo uh, laid it off and he blasted over from about eight yards I think if their finishing was better they could have taken control of that game uh, I thought Mbolo was uh, excellent it's probably the best performance in a Switzerland shirt we've seen from him at a performance especially from a player who is still very young but had a lot of hype about him especially uh, going into the last couple of major tournaments it was good to see him step up um, obviously I think I say they were unlucky with the disallowed goal but obviously it was a very it was a good decision from VAR ultimately but I think you know, they, they can feel aggrieved to come out of that game with a point and not three. Okay, so um, Sam Tal. Yes. Sam F mentioned that um, Briel Mbolo. Mm. Did he look frightening to you? Could, Broden and Mepham could not, they did not handle him. He switched on in the second half mainly. He was just too strong, too quick. I, still, I can't believe he's still only 24. I thought he was about 28 by now, but I can't believe how young he was when he first burst onto the scene. But as good as Imbolo was, it's a shame that Danny Ward was a bit better. <laughs> and My man of the match. He and Danny Ward's got your two stars. He was unreal. You can't... Like, everyone was calling for Hennessy to be back in the squad. But that man has proven why he needs the starting jersey for Wales in the net. He was unstoppable. Unstoppable. But we did get away with a few things with the Gravanovic's offside goal, like... 
like Sam F said and stuff, and look, some massive chances being missed, but we're a team that can now grind out a result. Yeah, I think that's what the Red Wall will take from that match, is even without the best performance, we can draw with a team, with a quite a solid team like Switzerland. Um, Ed, obviously it was a score draw um, between the two sides in the first game. Which of the two do you think is most likely to progress to the next round? Um, at this moment in time, I would say Wales because their next game's against Turkey um, today at 4pm and Turkey looked absolutely all over the shop whereas Italy looks like a well-oiled very clinical side um, so I think Switzerland have a tougher fixture than Wales coming up yeah okay um, so group A four very intriguing sides and I'm looking forward to seeing what the games tonight bring um, Wales versus Turkey in Baku again and Switzerland will be taking on Italy in Rome. Heading over to Group B, um, obviously events on the pitch were overshadowed by um, some very dramatic um, events involving Christian Eriksen. We all obviously wish him the best and want to pay our respects to everyone involved in the emergency response. Um, Belgium versus Russia. um, Ed... Did Belgium meet your expectations? I mean, our biggest expectation about Belgium in this tournament really is that Romelu Lukaku will score goals, and that is what he did. But the Russian defence, like, they helped him so much. They were dreadful, quite frankly. Yeah, and I think the first goal in particular, where they uh, one of their defenders sort of scuffed the ball in it, just gifted it to Lukaku in the box and you can't afford that kind of mistake in a, in a major tournament. Yeah, who, needs, who needs De Bruyne when you've got defenders setting you up <laughs> like that? Exactly. Yeah. Um, do you think we'll see De Bruyne and Hazard feature soon in the tournament? De Bruyne's looks quite bad. Maybe he won't be playing in the group stage. Hazard... Um, I'm not sure we'll see Eden, but we might see Tolkien. <laughs> okay, so maybe the younger has our brother. Um, Sam F. Yes. How far do you think Belgium will go in the tournament? I think in uh, last week's podcast episode, um, we had them crashing out in the quarterfinals. Do you stand by that prediction? Um, I'd like to... I think we'll have a more clearer picture after we see him against Denmark, if I'm honest. I don't think Russia, uh, uh, all as, as clinical as Belgium were in that game, I'm not sure if Russia were exactly the strongest team to pit them against. I mean, they did look good, obviously, Belgium. But I think um, I still think quarterfinals is the minimum. Um, but I think after they play a bit more of a stronger unit in Denmark, we'll have a stronger sense of how they're going to perform against a better team. Okay, and um, a lot of the commentary around Belgium is centred on their ageing centre-backs and where they've got all these star names in attack going forward. Um, they are having to play the likes of um, Alderweireld and Boyata. Um, 
in centre defence. Um, Sam Tarrow, do you think these defenders are good enough to get Belgium through the tournament? No. They're going to be very top-heavy if they want to get any further than the quarterfinals. I've tipped them to win, but if you look at, if you look at the centre-halves outside the starting three, which is what, Beata, Vertonghen and Alderweireld, well, they've, they've got Denaya to come on, and then apart from that, Thomas van Marlen. I mean, he's a relic of a bygone era. Mm. You know, we left Arsenal with an FA Cup and then managed to pick up a Champions League at Barcelona, and, but he's now playing in Japan. So like, if Belgium want this Euros title, they can't afford to be relying on the likes of Thomas van Marlen. So you think it would be more a case of outscoring the opponent rather than keeping clean sheets? Yeah, it'll be, cl- it'll be classic Liverpool with Rodgers and uh, Sturridge and Suarez style, just pumping the ball forward as quickly as you can, which is where Hazard will probably come into it. Elder Hazard, not younger Hazard, but no, Elder Hazard. Be, everybody will be relying on um, Hazard, Lukaku, De Bruyne, as opposed to... But you can't discount Alderweireld. He's got the head still, he's got the experience. But then again, you know, he was... Joe Roden was favoured for Spurs for a bit, so was Danson Sanchez. And it's been a bit chop and change from this season, but I still think they got a good chance. Okay. And I think an interesting fact about Russia is... Um, I think they have a very high number of players in their squad playing in the Russian league, um, many of them for the same teams. How big a role do you think that plays in an international tournament? Um, when you look at a side like Spain in the early 2000s, where a large chunk of their squad um, had played together at Barcelona, um, do you think that is a good ingredient for, for success? I think it obviously helps. Um, but then again, I think the standard of the Russian league compared to, say, the La Liga, your Serie etc., um, isn't as strong. And you can kind of see that when you, you see these Russian teams in like the Champions League and the Europa League, for example, they often um, crash out group stage even earlier in some cases. But... Um, yeah, it was interesting with Russia because I, I did kind of hope they'd perform a bit better after their World Cup um, performance. But then again, they, I mean, they've got Finland next, who obviously um, are on a bit of a momentum run after beating Denmark in those unusual circumstances. But um, yeah, I'm not sure with Russia whether they can pick up off the ground. But I, th- I do think playing together does help them as a unit um, in the grand scheme of things. Okay, yeah. Um, Talking of a unit, um, the Netherlands have taken a few injury hits heading into the tournament. Um, They've had to make changes. Um, The unit Van Dijk. (laughs) He is the unit, yeah. Um, Sam Tau, what did you think of the game between the Netherlands and Ukraine? Frank de Boa is just he leaves a lot to be desired in terms of management you're trying to defend a win and you take off your full left hand side blind off and Arnold off I mean that was just they were they were comfortably controlling the game I think they might have conceded a goal or two by then but I mean when you take off a whole defensive left hand side then Yarmolenko just has free reign to run in it's a bit it's a bit ridiculous yeah, and uh, Ed, 
Were you impressed by the Netherlands display? I was impressed um, when they had the ball. I thought um, Denzel Dumfries in particular, he missed a sitter and then obviously scored the winner. He he looked a massive threat going forwards. Valt Veghorst put himself about nicely. Um, but off the ball, as um, Sam Tao mentions, it was a bit of a shambles. Yeah, okay. So, do you think that problem lies with um, Frank de Boer and the, the coaching, as Sam Tao said, or is it a problem with the personnel they've got on the pitch? You look at someone like Van Arnholt, who we know has a lot of qualities as a player, but I don't think he's played that much in, uh, throughout the season. He's been quite injured for Paris, I think. Well, it's a little bit of both, really, because like, it does come down to coaching when like your defensive shape isn't what it should be and you're giving Yarmolenko about 20 yards of space to cut inside on his left foot. Um, but at the same time, they wouldn't have been expecting to have to play a tournament of this magnitude without De Ligt and Van Dijk. Yeah, OK. So if we uh, move on to Group D, I think the match we all want to talk about is um, England versus Croatia. Not to discount the the um, there was a great atmosphere in, at the Scotland game, and I think the Scots did well despite not getting the win. Um, but England versus Croatia, um, did Gareth Southgate get the lineup right, and was he proven right by the result? Well, I think. At the start of the game, a lot of England fans were a bit annoyed with the lineup. Why is Trippier playing at left back? Why are there two defensive midfielders? Why is Raheem Sterling on the field? But most of it paid off because Declan Rice at holding midfield gave Phillips a license to go forwards, and he was absolutely magnificent. My man of the match, Raheem Sterling, nets the winner, justifying his selection. The one thing I would say is I didn't like Trippier's performance at left-back because being right-footed at left-back, it meant that he was always passing inside and backwards. And I'd rather see a Luke Shaw or a Ben Chilwell player there who can take defenders on and whip the ball in towards the likes of Harry Kane. Yeah, OK, that's a very good analysis, I think, of um, what went right and what maybe went wrong. I think uh, Gareth Southgate will be keen to listen to that, Ed. Um, <laughs> Sam F, um, I know that you're a... a um, Member of the EDL. A member. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, quite the ultra. Um, were you convinced by the performance... Scoreline aside, if you didn't see the scoreline, do you think England were the better team? I did think we, we were the better team. I think we were uh, very good off the blocks for that first 15, 20 minutes. I think Foden was incredibly unlucky not to score that um, shot in the first few minutes that came off the post. I think on another day that could, have been, that could have trickled in off the inside of the post or even hit the back of the keeper and rolled in, uh, but it wasn't to be. I think the, the, the thing that let us down in that first in that initial spell was that we didn't capitalise on it. Obviously, in the heat, it was um, it was it was quite an intense heat in Wembley. But um, obviously, you couldn't keep that intensity up the whole game. But then, when it mattered, Sterling did put away. Um, 
as I've seen people talk on social media about Harry Kane's performance uh, being a bit disappointed. Um, I mean, he wasn't in the game as much as I think as he'd like to be. Uh, there was a few times I thought when, especially um, one stuck out to me where Mount crossed the ball in and he was aiming at Sterling and Foden against defenders like Vida, um, which was never going to work. And Kane was just kind of stood next to Mount waiting for a cutback. But um, yeah, I, I was convinced of performance. I think obviously, I think against Scotland, we'll need to score a couple of goals to get the confidence through. Um, whether or not Southgate does make changes for that one, I'm not sure. But um, I, I was overall happy with that performance. Okay, thank you. And I'm glad you uh, mentioned Kane there because obviously, before moving on, we have to discuss um, England star man. Um, is he still England star man? Mm, yes and no. The f- problem is playing for Tottenham for this season. He's had to adapt his playing style to help out the midfield so much that he's still doing it for England. England need to summon the Harry Kane from the 2018 World Cup and he needs to start sticking the ball in the back of the net off set pieces, which is probably why Trippier started. But the thing is, like Sam F was saying, you can't aim for Harry Kane when he's waiting for a cut back at the edge of the box. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Okay, so maybe um, Kane will adapt his performances over time um, and maybe for England, the sooner the better. Um if we move on to Group E, I'd like to take a look at uh, Spain versus Sweden. Um, it was an interesting game, uh, numbers-wise. I think Spain broke the record for the highest uh, possession percentage at the end of a Euros game since 1980. Um, they broke the record for the most passes completed in the first half. Mm. But was it interesting to watch at home? It was nice football. It was very nice football. I think Laporte... I think there's three defenders who had more passes than the whole of the Swedish team in yeah. the first half. Laporte being one of them, but 50-odd passes, 59 passes, something like that. Yeah. Which is more, more than the Sweden team. That says a lot. I think when we were watching it, we said Sweden were playing like Burnley in yellow. It was very <laughs> much a proper defensive performance. But then that goes back to how hailed... Like, you know, bringing him in, ex-England manager Roy Hodgson. He's like a Scandinavian god. He introduced the four-four-two, and they just defended. They were compact. They defended well. It was very old school, old school performance. Almost broke away a few times. Alexander Isaac looked very, very um, alive. He's very fast and good feet for a big man as well. I think there was one moment mm. where he um, shimmied in between the Spanish defenders, and it looked like they were going to score um, against the tide of. Uh, I think Spain can hold it but I think if it was Alexander Isaac and Zlatan Ibrahimovic they might have been in a bit of trouble but it wasn't a point first game nerves shook off Spain they just they look strong enough a bit toothless though yeah um, Ed are you convinced by Spain after that performance when they pl- when they take on um, maybe bigger teams, will they have what it takes? Um, I don't think so because they had so much possession as we've discussed against Sweden, and they didn't put the ball into the back of the net. And for me, that's very worrying from their point of view because against the likes of you know if they come up later in the tournament against a France or a Belgium, someone like that they won't have as much possession 
and they'll really suffer because they're not clinical and if they're having less possession on top of that then I I don't see much success coming from them to be honest. Yeah that's interesting you say that and just to play devil's advocate I've seen some people suggesting that Spain are more dangerous um, when they have less of the ball and it seems counterintuitive but you think when they've got players like Ferran Torres very fast and direct when he can be and Gerard Moreno, I think um, he'll play a bigger part in the next games. Um, they are more dangerous when they have space to run into. Credit to Sweden, uh, to Sweden. I think they knew they knew that going into the game, and they played a very well drilled four four two, inspired by Roy, Roy Hodgson himself, as Santos said. And I think this game uh, was the epitome of the old football idea that there's no right way to play. Um, you have to do what gets you the result, and Sweden did that. It's just what is Scandinavian football is. Finland played very similar. You know, they've compact, tight, nick a goal if they Finland can. had one shot, I think. Yeah. And, and then obviously, you know, you know, goings on off the pitch, but I mean, you know, Denmark were quite shell-shocked, but still a tight performance from Finland, tight from Sweden again. They put all the Scandinavian teams playing that similar similar sort of fashion yeah. but what did you think of the game Sam F did you, what, did you make much of Spain or did you not manage to catch that one I didn't catch that I didn't catch that game it's one of the only ones I missed actually this game week yeah, do, do, do you think they need a bit more you know, a bit more bite up front obviously they're lacking the likes well, of the think, younger yeah, Fernando from Torres heard, yeah from what I've heard I think a bit more bite is needed whether say Gerard Moreno would make that difference or, or not it'd be interesting to see because they do have Poland who obviously kind of were the shocker I'd, I'd say biggest shock of the game wasn't it Poland um, so whether they can mm. bounce back from that but um, that group does look a lot more interesting now than I thought it would do after a game week to be honest it does four very capable teams and talking of bite we'll move on to Antonio Rudiger in Germany um, yeah, look at that transition <laughs> smooth as anything I wasn't going to let that one go um, so group F the group of death with a TH not an F um what? <laughs> um, Sam F, you are our group correspondent for Group yes. F, which was an accident. A coincidence, I should say. His last name is F, isn't it? <laughs> um, um, yeah, there's a lot of talking points from the, the two games. Obviously, France-Germany was the standout fixture. A lot of people of, of this game week looking at that one. Obviously, the last two World Cup winners. Um France, I was very impressed with their game management. They um, they obviously took that early lead, um, early-ish lead, and uh, then decided to actually let Germany come to them and then hit on the counter with their speed they've got in Mbappe up front. And it nearly paid off a couple of times. Obviously, they had two goals disallowed um, for offside. But um, I think, yeah... Uh, Pogba I think ran the show and it shows when you've got Kante next to you how much freedom you can have in that pitch because I think Paul Pogba it was the Paul Pogba show for me he set up that first goal brilliantly um, and oh that cross field pass was something oh, the outside of his foot I think brilliant as well um, caught Germany up all ends but then again I say Germany had a lot of the ball in the second half but but didn't create a lot um, Nabry had a chance in the early second half which he fired over should have been yeah. a lot better with um, 
But then I, I think shout out actually to Germany, uh, Robert Gossens as well, left wing back. I thought he, he did actually stamp his authority on the game. Uh, Germany, obviously, their wing backs came high up the pitch as their, as their three came narrow at, up top. Muller, Havertz, and Nabry as a bit of a fluid front three were quite. Um, quite tight in the middle which allowed Kimmich and Gerstens to get up the pitch um, but I, I was impressed by France um, I think they'll put a few past Hungary uh, who could be tired because I, uh, another shout out in that Hungary-Portugal game uh, to Cristiano Ronaldo who has broken the record now he is standalone as the Euros record goal scorer. I think that was his 10th and 11th goal um, but yeah I think Hungary got tired at the end of that one they were very very solid defensively for 85 minutes and then it kind of all fell apart for them unfortunately um, but yeah I think a lot, a good amount of talking points on that first one uh, the group I think that's how I predicted the group to look after one game as well um, whether Germany can pick themselves up against Portugal who look very fluid um, or not is still to be seen Indeed um, so I'm glad you brought up Paul Pogba because um, watching the game last night, we thought that um, he was a standout man as well. And he he's always been capable of um, those fancy outside of the boot passes, very precise, very um, lots of swagger. But um, va va voom, as they were saying. Va va le bleu. But. Um, this is what he maybe misses for Manchester United is the end product. And I think part of the reason we see a better Pogba for France is because of who's behind him, like you said, N'Golo Kante. And that allowed Pogba to get in um, really close to the box. And that's where the goal came from. And also who's in front of him. Because when you're playing the ball to Mbappe, Griezmann and Benzema... And not Galo. Exactly. <laughs> you are more likely to get an assist to your name. Uh, Ed, do you think that... Yeah, I thought exactly that about Pogba. He's a big he's a big game player. He turns up to about six games a season, but they're all the biggest games of the season. And for France, he always turns up because international football is basically always a good game unless it's... Sorry, a big game unless it's a friendly and I saw that pass with the outside of the boot to Lucas Hernandez, a little still shot before he played the ball. Lucas Hernandez wasn't even in the frame and he found him. It was a fantastic pass and that epitomised his influential performance for me. I was very impressed with Robert Gerson's. I couldn't believe... I couldn't believe... No, I couldn't believe... I can see the smile on your face because you, you were... Beaming at me all game because I, I think I've, I think I found my my new love in life, Robert Gerson. He was unreal. He was so good. He's like a left footed Philip Blam for like bombing up and down. I couldn't believe. I just couldn't proper fullback. And late near like late post you no know, late back post runs. You know, no almost knocked Pavard out. But I mean that run to the back post is unreal. And Germany are gonna struggle. It's the first tournament in a long time without Mesodezil. They are going to lack that man who can be the main number 10. Because Havertz is more false nine. Muller likes to find, you know, find the space. Find, he likes to move up and down the field. And Nabry's more of a winger playing centrally. And Timo Werner loves an offside goal. So, I mean... <laughs> but speaking of goals, best goal of the tournament so far 
we gotta talk about the ch the Czech beast. So Ed, I don't know if you wanna roll on with that one because that's your group. Yeah, well, obviously that's in my group, so I watched that game with um, big interest. And yeah, Patrick Schick, he, he stole the show. Like that goal, um, just shy of fifty yards, forty nine point seven yards away from goal. Mm. I think he was if I recall correctly. And yeah, sees Marshall off his line, chips it, and he doesn't. It's not just your classic like Wayne Rooney versus West Ham kind of chip where it's just gone up and over the keeper. He's bent it at the first time, like his, the very first strike of the ball he has. It looks like it's going wide, but it just bends back in so much that, yeah, Marshall was absolutely disoriented. And he's not a bad keeper, despite the fact that he's been massively mean since oh. that goal. But yeah, shit. Poor like, David Marshall. Absolutely unbelievable technique from a long, long way out. Yeah, it was quite, it was quite something. Sam F, could you see yourself producing something like that on the, uh, on the football field I, one day, I, maybe? I, 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 I'm left. I know I'm left-footed, but I'd, I'd have to give it a few tries at least before I try something like that. And maybe a bit closer as well. Maybe a little bit. But the goal, speak about the, there were a few good goals this match, this first week. It was Skriniar yeah. saving Slovakia. Yeah, fantastic technique for a centre-back. Then Yarmolenko summoning some sort of... Don't know where he pulled. He's been quiet all season. Pulled out a top draw goal against the Dutch. And like we said, we had a, f a few really good uh, near goals. Um, that the breakaway from France. Um, the oh yeah, if Mbappe wasn't offside, that would have been a hell of a goal. The skill in the box. Yeah, I thought that was. Benet. I generally, I was convinced that was Thierry Henry. That te the technique side netting. Oh, he had such a narrow window to get that ball in the yeah. net. Oh, to be fair to him, um, on the subject of goals that actually stood, Lorenzo Insignia, that was a gorgeous goal. The way he opens his body out and it just bends yeah. past the scrolling goalkeeper right near the post. Yeah. I'll give a um, I'll give a special mention to Portugal's third goal as well. That was an excellent team goal. I think it was thirty three passes in the build up before Ronaldo popped it in the net. Um that was a that was a lovely goal to watch as well. Ren yeah, Ronaldo has a knack of turning up in the last moments of the game doesn't he and when everyone yeah. else thinks the game is done and dusted he that's when he comes alive and gets his goal he's a oh, what is a 36 year old man with a body of like a 25 year old it's not normal that man is he's going to continue doing well into his 40s you'll be the you'll be the outfield buffon he's addicted to winning Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, follow at Retrospect News on Instagram and Twitter or visit retrospect.net slash sport for updates throughout the tournament. For now, enjoy the football and we'll see you soon.